Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 231. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. You know, we're dangerously close to 250. That feels like a milestone. What is that? What is the abbreviation for that? Or the, not the abbreviation, but the, the centennial. Mark Oppenheimer says, happy, happy, congratulations on our bicentennial. Yeah. When he was on, what would that be? That would be uh, our 150 sesequential. Uh, so bisesquential. Your quarter, I don't know. I don't know. Our we'll quarter to, to a thousand. We'll have to look that up. But we have a few episodes to look that up. We have precisely 19. Yeah. So if any of you have any You su- see that? I did that right in my you head. You did that really quick. If any of you have any suggestions how we should celebrate 250, let us know. That would be fun. That might be, we could we could take, uh, um, we could do a viewer thing. See, see we could do. There's our listener, many. I guess we're not. We're only. We're we're, we're on Facebook Live, but we're, we aren't audio. Yeah, we aren't. <laughs> this audio is a podcast. <laughs> you could be video. They well, do do video podcasts. Well, we're on YouTube, right? We're on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We're on YouTube. There we are. So many, many, many venues. Yeah, but first of all, I want to thank all of you who have sent your prayers and regards about my father who had a stroke last Friday. Um, a pretty remarkable. Turnaround yesterday, he kind of woke up, and uh, it it actually was one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced. I mean, it ranks there with the birth of my children. So, um, and I, it's something I'll write about, but it was it was really profound. So, I mean, he is said, you know, he's he's coming along. We uh, we just have to wait to see how much damage was done. But he, uh, from what I thought yesterday morning, the difference between yesterday morning and yesterday afternoon was about as radical as it could be. So. He's eating, he's up, sitting, his memory seems to be coming back, he's talking, and um, so thank you for your prayers and continued good thoughts. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Thank, and we're glad you're back here in, in the 215. Yeah, I know, I'm, uh, I'm becoming very familiar with the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Yeah, it's, a, it's not one of my favorite roads. <laughs> well, it's beautiful farm country there for a while in Lancaster, so anyway. It is, it is, but yeah. it's not, yeah, but it's, you know, yeah, I get it's not my favorite. Yeah, I'm getting a little tired of it. But we do, you know, we're just thankful that um, I have, thankful that uh, he's here and uh, hopefully continues to improve. So you called me last week, and I love this idea, by the way. Um, I can't remember one of the many things that, you know, the, the news cycle runs so quickly that uh, whatever was the initial inspiration, uh, there's been three or four since then. But The news cycle and the Fox news cycle, both of which I stay dialed into very... But uh, I was actually working out this morning and uh, at the gym, CNN and Fox are right beside each other, and that was interesting to see sequence of... The fake st- news CNN with <laughs> Don Lemon. That was... I don't know. I mean... Uh, Taking on LeBron James, uh, and this is what's interesting. That to me, I don't get the the upside of that because you like the NFL thing. I, I mean, I don't. I think it's you know I don't agree with the president. I think he probably shouldn't have waded into it. Definitely should, but I get it in the sense of a lot of Americans. It's a middle of the road. People, you know, the flag. People get sensitive about it, and, and it's, right. but but basketball. I don't the, the ragging on LeBron. It just it seems to me you create a controversy that, 
at best, at best, you rally your base, which are already rallied. So politics, as Joe Scarborough says, is a game of addition, not subtraction. Yeah. And so you, what do you get? I mean, you alienate people. You alienate Mike. You get Michael Jordan to speak out. Who doesn't do that? that. Very often. You got your wife to speak out against you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's probably happening more and more. Yeah, I would think. I would think. Yeah. But I just doesn't, I don't, I don't get the upside. It was a, yeah, there was none. There was none. And it was so overtly racist because he he. Attacked. Well, the defense on Fox is well, he's shitty to everybody. He's shitty to white people. <laughs> he's shitty to Rosie. He's shitty to like. It's yeah. this kind of. Uh, it, 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 it's it's interesting that this sort of but, gymnastics people will do. But there is a there. I mean, the history behind attacking the intelligence of African Americans. Um, right. Yeah, it says a lot about his about his anxiety. Yeah, I think I think that anxiety is very real, and considering when the fact that your former campaign director, even as we sit here or, or stand here, is um, being <laughs> eviscerated. <laughs> campaign chair. Campaign chair. What did I say? What What did they say? Like <laughs> Chris Hayes was like, basically Gates was like. They were like, did you do crimes? Yes, we did crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me count the ways. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of crimes done. Yeah. One of the things, maybe this will be the segue into our topic, was uh, I saw, and again, you know, I don't know if this is real or not, but I saw two guys um, looking like um, uh, people from middle America uh, wearing, I'd rather be Russian than Democrat. Oh, yeah, that was on, I, I saw that on Twitter. Bill Crystal tweeted that out. You know, it's fascinating. I mean, that they were at a Trump rally. You know, I've lived long enough to go from the fact that the right would say, you know, during the demonstrations in the against Vietnam, you know, America love it or leave it. Now, 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 Democrats are telling, liberals are saying, America love it or leave it. Yeah, it, it all circles back. You, you know, you you stay around long enough, and it just all circles back around. Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, William Buckley, you were inspired oh, yeah. by William Buckley. It was Buckley very Buckley. interesting because I have been watching these Trump rallies, and yeah. and you know the good thing about him is I don't have to because Scott keeps me informed. I, I do, and what strikes me, I mean, it's always struck me since the since the inaugural address, which I hear was better in the original German or Italian. <laughs> I'm not sure which it was. Uh, but but this sort of nationalist impulse that what you mean, which you know, since this is sort of the nationalist populism is how Trump ran, and it, it mm-hmm. seems to be his number one sort of you know raison d'être. But there's this Jonah Goldberg has has quoted William F. Buckley several times to this to this. Uh, to the to this end, basically saying something like uh, B- Buckley's quote, I think, was something like, "I'm as patriotic as anyone from sea to shining sea, but there's not a molecule of nationalism in me." And that's interesting. And Jonah Goldberg has even at other points said, "Well, you might need a little bit of nationalism, like it's the romanticism that keeps the sinews together." But basically, what Buckley there is doing is contrasting American patriotism, which is not about blood and soil. And just tribal roots, but it's about transcendental ideals that you know you could you, that basically if we had to leave the planet and go colonize another planet, we could be just as American, right? Because whereas I don't know that you could say that if you were you know Italian or Egyptian or you know you, you think you know are, are part of a great side like India, you know, there's something about even 
liberal democratic societies that have long pre-modern traditions. Mm-hmm. There's something about being Italian or French or, you know, from a certain part, you know, or from various parts of the world, you could say, like, that this, that being Japanese, liberal democracy, but there's this great pre-modern Japanese tradition that, you know, you wonder if you could be Japanese in a spaceship the way you could in America, because we don't have that long... Pre- now, certain people like Stanley Harawas and Alistair McIntyre and other sort of Enlightenment critics would say that's the problem. Stanley Harawas would say America is the only country that has the misfortune of being founded on a philosophical mistake. I am not as much of an Enlightenment critic as Harawas. <laughs> but I think that it is interesting what Buckley's getting at there, that this this notion that it's there's something fundamentally different about American patriotism. That Now, Donald Trump seems... Incredibly nationalistic, but not patriotic in the sense that Buckley is talking about. So, so I, I mean, I, I listened the other day. Oh, okay. yeah, I, I don't think Donald Trump, at least the kind of patriotism that won World War II, um, he is so contrary to that. But the patriotism that uh, was born out of the American Revolution or the patriotism of Lincoln, um, I mean, all that would be... Maybe the patriotism that comes out of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> USA, USA, lock her up. So, so like, build the wall. So By the like, way, when is Mexico like, paying like for, Rocky Ford. Why are the Democrats getting blamed for not funding? I thought Mexico was paying for yeah, the wall. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Is Mexico no longer paying for the wall? I don't think so. I don't think so. But the idea of so that's again fleshes out a little bit more. I think with Buckley. What? How Mexico's not going to pay for the wall? Yeah, how fleshed out more? They're never going to pay for the damn wall. <laughs> they're just going to run around and make countries pay for it. You know what? And after that happens, we're going to make Chile pay for our social security. <laughs> Where do you see the stealth bombers? We're going to make New Zealand pay for it. Or like, uh, remember uh, uh, Chappelle's Black Black Bush? That skit he did back when he had a show, he was Black Bush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was amazing. And so he said, our health care. All going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. At any rate. Um, no, I, I, okay. Let's see what Jeffrey says. That point. But Jeffrey A. Carter. This yes. comes to us from Facebook Live, which we're simultaneously broadcasting on. He's coming to us from California. Yeah. That points to specific racism in American nationalism, doesn't it? Because of the assumption of whiteness and how it's imagined and how the ideals of constitutional republic fall out of the narrative. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and and part of it's just the ignorance of of you know, for instance, about ten percent of Washington's army was was African American, which people don't really understand, don't realize that. You know, it's interesting too that the that so much of the Union army in the Civil War was African American, but you don't see it in the monuments because the monuments were all locally erected, right? And these regiments, they were translocal regiments, like that, like in the movie Glory, we had these, mm-hmm. so like they didn't have their lo- local regiments to be, memorialize them, right? Or like, what's more quintessential? Americana than cowboys, and a majority of the cowboys were, were African American or Mexican. I knew that because I saw Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> remember that's that is that historical fiction? Remember that where Gene Wilder's like these people are you know they're common folk, the salt of the earth, you know, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Still very. Uh, I love when he and Gene Wilder are playing chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there's a great scene in Silverado, which is like the quintessential uh, camping fun cowboy movie where uh, John Cleese plays the local sheriff and he's playing, he's, he's British in the middle of the West, how it gets there, no one explains. 
and he's playing chess with his deputy. He makes a move, then he turns the <laughs> turns <laughs> he turns the board around and makes the deputy's move for him as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? Or more, it's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Cress, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Whitpenig, Simone Garabedian, Jim Kirk, Samantha Konauer, and Jordan DeMaze. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. So, so this this thing that I was watching this rally in Ohio, and I was I called you after I said I was trying to keep score of anything moral, and the only <laughs> thing I could find was that he signed the right to try bill. I'm like, come on, these people are sick. Let them try. Let them try. And for people that want to go to Europe, Europe for or, or ex- Mexico or Mexico for experimental treatments, and no. so it you know. That and maybe he was at or, one line about or Miami, <laughs> and there was seriously one line about opioids, and so I I counted that as halfway. It was really only a sentence, but but everything else there was no moral center to. It. So you, it's interesting. You look at this relationship between say Europe and China; they're both just competitors. There's no right. sense in which well one shares a sort of liberal democratic right. ideal with us, one, and one doesn't. Like one is actually adversarial in relationship to that ideal in those commitments. So, but it's just sort of you know, it, 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 it's so it's again purely nationalistic. I mean, it's it, it, it's sort of pure like us versus them. And it's interesting because that you know at least at our at our our best moments, which again the American story is a tragic story. Right. But but our best moments, the the American ideal. Is over against that sort of right. it, 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 tribe, nation, blood, soil. So it, 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 there's something transcendent, and, and, it, and it lends itself to rein, reinvention and experimentation. Right? There's always people coming in from someplace else who are embracing that ideal, changing the ideal. The ideal's evolving, and, and that that just again the, the whole. It's really interesting because I just interviewed this guy from my alma mater, John Fee, who wrote this book called uh, "Believe Me." <laughs> That's a great title because he's like that just. Is like Trump's 
you know, sort yeah. of Mona, believe me, the wall, believe me, this, you know, that, you know, we're gonna, it's, we're gonna be so winning. You're gonna be tired of winning. Officially, I'm, if this is winning, Bill, I'm tired of winning. <laughs> I'm t- if this is winning, I put me down as tired of winning. Yeah. Okay, I'm tired of winning right now. But he he says, you know, that 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 the subtitle is the evangelical road to Donald Trump, and he thinks. If you look at the history of evangelicalism in America, it's it's characterized by fear, fear of Catholics, fear of right. Well, the, that fear of actually persecution. The fear of Catholicism was a big factor during the Revolutionary War. Yeah, yeah. right. He talks about that and fear yeah. of it, certain sort of immigrant immigrant patterns, secularism. He talks about the, the desire for power and influence. Some mm-hmm. with some aspirations more noble than others, but this desire to sort of be the court evangelical, shape the, the culture. And the third is nostalgia. Where this sort of American myth, like remaking us as a Christian nation. And I think that that kind of nostalgic mythos is, is something Trump taps into with evangelicals, with the sort of forgotten people that he always talks about, people that are really have been left behind in certain kind of economic development right. and that sort of thing. Where, I mean, globalization is great in the aggregate, you're right, but there are real people that are left behind. Right. And yeah. it's easier to well, that that recent podcast you talked about uh, in give and take with the author about oh, yeah, the Mexican yeah. book. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, he's you, like, well, in this one town, yeah, it really was a Mexican air air conditioning plant. You know, they put, right. but most of the time it's automation, right? Or things right. like that. But it's easier to blame immigrants than it is to blame technology, right? Like, right. You know, you, it, it's just not because you, you know. And then what you do is you 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 know you take the technology and you curse the immigrants, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you take the technology that puts you out of business and you tweet maga. Well, maga it, it certainly was one of the dark spots of uh, the John Adams presidency. That law that was a, was a was it an anti sedition law that was passed under? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then of course the Know Nothing Party, which was you know kind of on the front end. And the other, you know, the law, you know, the myth of the lost cause, the 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 Southern lie that the Southerners told themselves that became part of mythology. You know about the noble cause of the of the of the Confederacy, and it really the Civil War was really was not about slavery, which is a historical fallacy. I mean, there was a lot of complex things about it, but you can actually trace the development of that falsehood. Uh, John Meachin does a good example, does a good job of it. And and we also got threatened recently. John Meachin was threatened. (laughs) Threatened. John Meachin seems like such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I don't like that. Yeah, no, I don't like it either. there, uh, I listened to a podcast, the Tel Aviv Review, and um, maybe we can put the, I don't know, it's a book that has not been published yet, but the author is a British, you know, remind me of uh, the author you interviewed because he tried to put this book out uh, eight years ago. No one was interested, <laughs> <laughs> but it's on uh, the, the whole movement of denial, the deniers, whether they be the phenomena of um you know, denying climate change. Uh, he does. You know, he's a, he's a Jewish scholar. So he does a lot with the Holocaust denial. And one of the things he says is, and he thinks we're almost in the post-denial stage because why you have deniers? Um, for one, now you know the reason that the oil companies are deniers because it's uh, it's economic. The same thing why the tobacco industry put so much money in saying that cigarette smoking didn't cause cancer when they knew it did. He says when it comes to genocide. Um, one of the things about it is you used to be able in the ancient world you could you would brag you'd build you would build statues about how you wiped out a people. <laughs> now that that's what I call the good old days <laughs> when you could really take pride in a genocide. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean take pride in the genocide. Yeah, well, you know, some of the some hopefully you know the artifacts that hopefully. Most of them were saved from, from, you know, from the Babylonian, the Assyrian empires, uh, the Roman empire. I mean, you've got statues. Uh, You're going to hear Donald Trump. I mean, they're taking away our history. We used to be able to take pride in a genocide. <laughs> yeah. 
But the modern world said you couldn't do that. But the trouble is we still commit genocide. So you come up with different names for it. But the other one of the things is, well, it really wasn't that. You know, like, uh, well, yes, there were Jews who were killed, but there weren't that many. And there were others. So that you do you do things like that. Same things happen with, well, you know, a good example, you know, the post Yugoslavia breakup, the Bosnians, things like that. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of models of deniability. But what what's happening, he says right now, is that you know the the lid's off a little bit, so people don't have to be so they don't they're not having to hide the racism. You know, in other words, in terms of he's talked about the Trump phenomena, but he talks some about the European phenomena, and so that's that, that is what's made that is what making America great again is all about. It really is. It really, it really but, is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I think that this devolving internationalism. It's just interesting that again, that Trump is so not shy about playing on. Okay, so if you. Do you feel like you've been left behind with educational, economic... And we're not talking from the second coming. From the second coming. No, the, the, there is this... The, the nationalism is a good... It's like an opiate. I mean, it does It does make you feel better. It, I, again, the sense that we're winning. And also, I think this kind of... The Sarah Young thing, the woman who had these controversial tweets who people are saying is racist. I mean, I think that that this sort of idea that, hey, you know, the death of sort of the white Protestant majority, you know, th this kind of desire for this place of power, you know, and, and, and majority status again, these kinds of things are are open to be played on. But there is no incident in history where nationalism led to anything but destruction, ultimately for the people who have it. I mean, whether you're talking, you know, we don't have to, I mean, Germany, Japan, um, you can go throughout, you go throughout through history. I Luxembourg. Mean, Luxembourg. Do you know Luxembourg and Belgium, I think, share a navy? I did not know. That's that. so cool. Yeah. I just is, like, it, is, it, is Luxembourg, Luxembourg's landlocked, isn't it? Or maybe. Maybe it's the I Netherlands. Don't, and, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody in the, the two of those countries. Two well, of it makes sense that the Netherlands and Belgium are the, kind of the same. Yeah. I don't know Luxembourg has a name. That would be a... I thought it was Luxembourg. That would be a remarkable waste of... Uh, now, see, there's a lot of potential for us. One of us is wrong here. One, I could be wrong about Luxembourg being landlocked. I think it is. Do uh, we have any Luxembourgian listeners? If we do, let us know. All right, it's any, possible. Any of you of Luxembourgian descent, Yeah, we'll have you on to apologize for Absolutely. our total ignorance of Luxembourg. But I think, in all seriousness... Um, this is really an important distinction to make. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, um, my earliest memories um, are, you know, my mom crying when JFK was killed. I was just three. Um, watching Vietnam, uh, hearing about boys from our, I was in West Virginia at the time, boys that never came home from that town. Uh, watching it on TV, being terrorized uh, by the shot sights of it as a kid. Watergate. Uh, reappraisal of uh, you know the civil rights movement and both the successes and the unfinished business of the civil rights movement. So to say that that my opinion of our country is jaded or is correct is is not uh, Pollyannish would be an understatement. But I find this I find when I have traveled when I travel abroad, particularly Freakonomics had a contest for the the motto for America and the and the one that they chose was America. Our best critics stay. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I do. And I find myself when I'm in other places, I can still remember. But see, that is American patriotism. Right? Yeah, exactly. The, the self-critical nature. Self-critical nature we are. And the, yet when when we are attacked, uh, we pull together. I, I, could, I still remember being in the Middle East and uh, 
some British person was was uh, saying, well, you Americans have really screwed up the Middle East. I go, go home and learn your history. <laughs> you guys drew the map that made this thing a mess, you and the French. But I find myself, I think that's because our ideals are worth, worth defending. And again, um, I think as people of faith, this is part of what it means to pray for the prosperity of the city. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Amer- a Christian patriotism always has to be a step further removed. Right. In that, you know, it always has to be Jeremiah 29, like seek the shalom of Babylon. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's always it, it, somebody, I was reading Oliver Donovan's essay today on Augustine's on book 19 of the city of God. And he was saying that some people credit Augustine with this, con- this credit, this conception of the secular sphere and that simply is that which is passing away. So the sense in which the earthly city, we, we seek it's good, but we seek it's not, it's, it's, it's peace is not an ultimate good. No, no. It's, it's a penultimate good. And so this is, I mean, the, the, sort of Christian American ought to have it, this sort of twin check on the nationalism. One, this sort of the enlightenment sort of DNA that's over against a kind of tribal nationalism. And, and ultimately this sense that, you know, we, we seek a city with foundations as the author of Hebrews says, you know, whose architect and builder is God. Yeah. So I think American, the American country is going to collapse. The, the Republic will disintegrate someday and then it will disintegrate into something depending on what causes it. Luxembourg. <laughs> but I'd rather not happen uh, on my watch. I'd rather not be quiet so that it happens on my grandchildren's watch if there's something we could do about it. So those of you who advocate not being involved as trying to take some sort of moral high ground because of the corruption of the government, that's totally unhelpful and totally misunderstanding the nature of, I think, Christian responsibility in a representative democracy. Those of you who have already bowed a knee to Babylon and your unquestionable support of Donald Trump, you need to repent of that because that's idolatrous. And I think, you know, there is, the, and those of you who say that only the Democrat or the Republican is right, that's just absurd. None of the neither group has any kind of ultimate hold on truth. But, and those of you who voted for Jill Stein, wash your mouth out with soap or we something. Want, we're, <laughs> we're all, Scott and I are bringing the tank and we're going to run over. Yeah, if, you voted, gonna, if you voted for Jill Stein, like, hang a fleece out your window. We're going to do, we're going we to know. We're going to do collective punishment. We're going to destroy your house because that you should be destroyed. Your house should be destroyed for that stupidity. But, I do think Gary Johnson I'll forgive, but not Jill Stein. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gary Johnson was comic relief. Exactly. I think Jill Stein either she was an unintentional ploy she was an unintentional puppet of the Russians or even worse. It could be worse than that. That's the one I want the investigation on. But nonetheless, I think um we have to keep working this because we have other things to make right. For instance, the, the issue of race in this country, uh, the horrendous history we have, and, and the kind of continual injustice as we go on and the violence against African-American community that is uh, sometimes a direct and always an indirect response of the evil of slavery. We have to continue to address that. Uh, the fact is the chaos that we've caused in the Middle East because of an overextended war that should not have been waged the way it was. Uh, those are things we have to continue to try to make right. And uh, we can't lose our moral voice. And we can't like people like uh, Vice President Pence and Franklin Graham say one kind of moral thing 
And then as soon as you get close to power, you totally jettison that. That's just, you know, we all, it's all right to evolve in your ideas. It's not all right to kneel. <laughs> There's a difference between evolving and devolving. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not all right to forsake your ideals to be close. It's like going back into the primordial soup. Yeah. Hey, I just grew legs. I yeah. want to shed them and slide back into the soup. Yeah, it's not legitimate to uh, jettison ideals for the sake of being close to power, particularly when that power represents so much that is antichrist. But look on the bright side. There's no Scott Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There so you go. We always Thanks. end on the, up, oh, yeah, yeah. the upbeat. Hope-seeking understanding. Thank you, friends. Peace. God bless. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening and God bless. <laughs>